Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I don't even remember who I am or this podcast is. Oh, wait, I'm Jason Snell, and this is a podcast where I talk about the brand new episodes of Doctor Who that are few and far between now with my uh, with my pals and joining me to talk about the legend of the Sea Devils, the Easter special for some definitions of the word special uh, are these two wonderful people. Chip Sutterth is here from the Two Minute Time Lord podcast and many other things. Hi, Chip. I put on all this great pirate finery, and it's it's an audio podcast. You lose the eye patch, um, lose the eye patch, Chip. And from Radio Free Scarrow and Lazy Doctor Who, along with many other things. But again, I'm citing your Doctor Who uh, CV right now. It's Stephen Shapansky. Hi, Stephen. Hi there. They were all wearing eye patches when I turned around. <laughs> it's eye patches uh, all the uh, way down. Reference cut. acknowledged. Reference acknowledged to a convention anecdote. That's what we're going to do oh, on yeah. this podcast today. This is the, it's the deepest cuts. It's the deepest cuts. Um, It's uh, so see now I want to go through the convention checklist and say things like, all right. So was it Susan? Nope. It's never Susan. Nope. Never is. It never is. Uh, Legend of the Sea Devils. So first off, uh, we haven't seen the Sea Devils since Warriors of the Deep. Is that correct? Peter Davison, 1984? Correct. And all those things. The the story that I think basically got Doctor Who canceled uh, because ah. Michael Grade saw that and he thought, what is this crap? Let's cancel this Why show right away. Why are we doing this? And when, yep. I, when I saw the sea monster in this episode, I would say, hmm, wow, Merca. Is looking it the good. Murka? It's never the Merca. It's never the Merca. No. Unless Susan's riding, the, Susan bestride the Merca, breaches <laughs> the water. Wow. Um. So, so good, good to see them back, I guess. Uh, we got the great line uh, early, very, very early on. The doctor says to a sea devil, "Sea devil," and the sea devil replies, "Land parasite." And I thought, <laughs> which I loved. Let's address the name of the, <laughs> the name of these creatures head on because it's a slur. We call them a slur. Yeah, uh, and the show is like, "Yep, that's right." Not, not, not the, just, uh, the great thing about Doctor Who is that this is not the first uh, time, it probably won't be the last, that uh, some random... It's kind of like Kenner naming, uh, you know, Star Wars characters after what they look like to make their toys. Thinking, I don't know, maybe Snaggletooth? Uh, yeah, sure. Hammerhead? Uh, great. Squidhead or something? Yeah, let's just call them that. So, that uh, Sea Devil? I mean, if you, if you look back to the very first story of the Sea Devils, uh, it's a... A sailor in shock who just sort of goes, oh, oh, the sea devils. And then that's just what they're called, they're called for the rest of the entire existence of this race. It's pretty great. It's not not so. Not so great. No. No. <laughs> but it's hilarious. And right. It's like, well, you know, they call them the sea devils, but we actually call them the Silurians. Nope. We got. Mm. Nope. Got that wrong, too. It's a yep. different. And and they're not from the Silurian era. Oh, oh, classic Doctor Who. But it's another classic Doctor Who adversary being brought back in a different way and having the knowingness to say land parasite in response is great. I, yep. I mentioned this is a special and and to is very it? to varying degrees, really? and yeah. I wanted to, so this is the first thing I wanted to bring up before we even get into some of the details of this. Obviously, we're in this very weird interregnum period where the last season got collapsed into flux, and then they they essentially added on um, these. There's the the New Year special um, and even the Daleks, and then we have gotten this one, and then there's going to be a final special. Ending the Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall and BBC era, yep, of Doctor Who, and but um, so it's a very weird situation where it's kind of unclear. It feels to me like they they basically kind of like said, okay, well, we're going to do Flux, but 
And t- tell me if I'm wrong here. This did not feel like a special. This literally felt like an episode from a season that turned out not to be because it got rejiggered into flux. And it's it's only about the length of a regular episode. And and throughout, I kept thinking, am I judging this episode fairly or unfairly based on it being the Easter special? When, in fact, it felt very much like episode four and last week you watched episode three and yep. next week you watch episode five right. this week is the pirate one except it has been completely stripped of all context and now it's just a special so i have been one to frequently grade uh parts of uh flux uh, and um and the specials uh, that have followed on a bit of a curve because of covid and I think Jason, you've said once or twice uh, that you you can't do that. You've got to you've got to judge it based on the thing that's in front of you. And the thing that in yeah. fr- is in front of me is the first episode that we've seen since New Year's, and it's the last episode that we'll see until probably October or November or right. something like that. Instead of having it be wedged in just another episode, it's it feels very different. Yeah, yeah, it it really does, and. Um, and because it is, it is all that we get, I think that expectations do deserve to be a little bit higher. Um, this was a, this was a fine episode of Doctor Who, but for the thing that it is as a special, as the one thing that we get until then, um, I don't know that I deserved more, but I definitely wanted more. Yeah, I, uh, I I had heard um, in the weeks leading up to this that uh, that uh, portions of it were excised for whatever reason. I don't know the reason, but it, you know, a, a special one would think would sort of be, you know, close to the 60 minutes uh, duration. Right. Uh, but we're at 47 minutes here. And when watching it, it's like, you know what? I don't know what the, th- the missing 13 minutes were, but I can kind of see where they would have been because <laughs> I think a lot of stuff just sort of happened conveniently. They sort of jump between ships quite willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sea monster sort of disappears uh, like he's a pirate locked up in a well, cabin in, on the curse of the black spot. In, in, I mean, case, in case of need, press button for monster. Right, The monster yeah. appears and then goes away again. <laughs> it's like, it just goes away. Uh, the, yeah. Where I felt it was the... Um, many, many pirate ships with nobody on them. And I know that the script is like, oh, but they took all my people and now, and they left me alone. And I'm like, okay, but like, you can't really pilot a ship by yourself. (laughs) And it's just, I I know that it's going to be that her children were held hostage and she and her crew, but instead COVID or whatever. And so instead it's just like, you can hang a lantern on it and be like, why are there no people on the ship? But still, there are no people on that pirate ship. And it feels... It it feels vacant, and Flux felt a little bit vacant, and this episode feels a little bit vacant. Yeah, I, I read um, in the interviews with Chris Chibnall leading up to this is that I think they had a different idea for what Eve of the Daleks became, but they had to scale it back because of COVID. I thought that actually worked. I thought Eve yeah. of the Daleks was great. Claustrophobic uh, and everything. Yeah, good. Very stuff. claustrophobic. But I hear exactly the thing. If you're going to have a high adventure on the open seas, uh, and you, you need a ship full of people, and they didn't have that. And it 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 did show. Chip, you made a good point about, um, about the COVID thing because uh, – um, there's been a lot of that, not just Doctor Who. There's been elements in Star Trek where I sort of go, oh, yeah. I, I go, why did that go? Oh, probably COVID, probably COVID. <laughs> you know, like you could kind of explain it away. It's tough. But, I, but that's it, right. I can, and I can have sympathy for the production crew 
having to make this thing work in COVID mm-hmm. times. But like what Chip was saying before, I do really believe in the end, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. And we can we can speculate and be like, I wonder if that's a COVID thing. But like if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter why it doesn't work. It, it I mean, other than sympathy for the people making it. But yeah, sure. as, a, as a as a completed work, you're like, you know, and and yeah, in five or ten years, you know, people look back and go, why is this so weird? Oh, right. It's, this is the COVID era where things were weird. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still like you got that big pirate ship and there's nobody on it. And I just keep thinking this is really, I mean, Curse of the Black Spot showed that you could have lots of pirates on a ship and it doesn't make a good episode. Sorry, <laughs> I, I said it. Uh, yep. But but uh, it just, I don't know. It just, this is a, a, a play with a, a, you know, we have local theater here and there are a lot of plays with four people in them, right? Because most plays, you, most, most local theaters cannot afford to pay 12 uh, union actors to be in a production. It felt like mm-hmm. that a little bit where it's like, no, we can't really have more people. It's, yeah. it's very small. Doctor Who is the archetypal uh, SF show for reach exceeding grasp. <laughs> Um, it's true. Going back, going back to the early days, I've always had sympathy for that. I've always had sympathy for swinging big and uh, trying a little bit beyond. I enjoyed, in the end, I enjoyed Flux, even though uh, I could see seams and, and gaps all over the place because I did appreciate that big RTD esque audacity uh, more so than um, more so than the obvious uh, covid style limitations so giant flying galleon with uh green glowy repulsor lift thingies on the bottom i'm there for it um mm-hmm. sea devil in a statue i'm there for it um uh, uh i like i like uh legend of the sea devils i don't love it though because this is where they really really should have leaned into their limitations rather than just sort of papering over stuff and, you know, cut to off-screen yellow of Geronimo and they're on the boat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Swinging the, the, the fight choreography, if you could call it that early on uh, with the sea devil swinging its sword and just right. people just sort of flying randomly. Um, things like that felt cheap and Dr. Who always looks like it's on a budget, but it doesn't always look cheap. Mm. There's a moment in the in the big climactic sword fight which you know I just wrote down in my notes sword fight like it's like okay and that <laughs> went on for a while um and it's whatever I mean it's a lot of action and motion and I know that people tune in for that and it's great but there was one moment where I might have lost track but I felt like it literally was cutting so fast to hide what they couldn't do that Jodie Whittaker is on the stairs and it cuts to a side shot and then it cuts back and she's on the other side of the stairs and like literally there's no explanation of how she got there it's just like look we just had to cut there okay and I yeah. and I laughed a little bit and I was like I, I see what you're trying to do like again it's like I get it I get that that this is hard and that you're trying your hardest but it was one of those moments of like if we speed up the editing will nobody <laughs> be able to notice and i think the answer is eh, maybe not but you know good try yeah it was a it was a good try i suppose <laughs> it, it does feel like i i know that uh they had made flux and then i think the bbc had sort of told them hey we would like a uh an extra episode out of you for the 100th anniversary and I'm wondering if the what will be the last episode for Jodie Whittaker is that episode. But instead, that 
went to October and maybe it should have been in April. And maybe they thought, well, what do we have left over from Flux that maybe we'd like to do? How about we do this? They yeah. brought someone else in to sort of help get it together. And, and it, it feels like a leftover yeah, kind I, of thing. I mean, my theory is that th- there was always a plan to do a sort of like farewell episode um, of for the Chibnall era if it was going to end. And that's what we're going to see. But that this episode was originally when that season was supposed to be longer. This episode was that my gut feeling is and contradict me, please, if if you know that this isn't true. But it felt to me like literally it was just going to be in the in the run of episodes. And then they did flux. So they had to kick it out. And then they're like, well, we yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's so kind of like just make it. <laughs> Just let's just make it. We have more or less a complete idea. I think the original version of it didn't even have sea devils. I think it just sort of had, uh, you know, Madame some Ching, new some new queen. race of 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 monsters or something. I think it just sort of felt. Well, wait a second. If it's on sea, we can bring in the sea devils. Yeah. And you know, I think the sea devils look and sound and move great. That that's probably the best part of this episode. People for me. who don't know about the sea devils in classic Doctor Who will look at them and they might be able. They might judge them harshly. And and I think anybody who remembers the Sea Devils from classic Doctor Who will not, because it's like, wow, they they kind of move and look like they could be actual living creatures. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. just but just by a little tweak of like moving the eyes and the mouth yeah. a little bit, because they didn't have that technology no. in 1972 or 84. They couldn't do that, uh, but they can now, and I think that sort of helped bring them to life a little bit. Yeah. So I liked them. Um, I mentioned Madam Ching. So one of the things that I think is notable about this episode is that it has. Uh, it is set in uh, off what is it off the coast of China essentially, and it is it is mm-hmm. in an East Asian or what we in in at least in the states maybe in North America we call Asian because our default Asian versus geographic Asian location uh, varies based on where you are in the world. But East Asian cast this is this is one of those episodes that other than our main cast uh, and the aliens. Um, the other remaining members of our our troop, and there aren't that many, but they are all East Asian, and they mm-hmm. all do the Doctor Who thing, which I was so relieved about, which is because of the TARDIS translation circuits, everybody just speaks with an English accent. Yes. yes. Very good, right? Because they're speaking their language. They're not speaking our language with an accent. They're speaking their native language, and it's being translated for us. And I thought that was well handled, and I thought that it was great to see. This is one of those things that when you look back on it, you you think about Doctor Who, and you think, I understand why all the episodes are set in England, but yeah. there's a whole planet, and it's all in England. So I thought that was fun that that it 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 doesn't do that right down to the casting. Yeah, no one does da- don't no one does the Boris Natasha sort of thing uh for making silly but I just I'm just trying to think like uh Cold War from Matt Smith's uh season right. 7 which you know everyone is speaking Russian because they're on a Russian sub but they do the Chernobyl thing where they don't actually sort of look up to me I'm Yeah, they, they do the Czech you know, accents. Yeah. yeah, they don't they don't do that. They just speak in their natural accent because we're just hearing what they're saying through the TARDIS translator and, right. and it's all fine. And I'm yeah, you're right. I'm glad they didn't sort of like put on some sort of phony accent just to say look, we're Chinese i'd say it's also in the grand tradition of celebrity historicals in doctor who in the sense that there is a an intra, very interesting historical figure here madam ching I, I always like to think that this is one of those legacies of doctor who being originally an educational show is that the idea with that russell t davis brought back uh, or created sort of with the celebrity historical is this idea of like i mean 
what is Marco Polo, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. it is the idea of like, hey, kids, this is a real person. You can look up facts about them at your local library. However, this episode won't be that interested in those <laughs> facts. And no. it's like that, right? Where it's like she's there and she's a really awesome character. And yet because she commanded many ships and many people uh, in history, she's a very interesting character. And here she has nobody to command except no one. Dan and that and the kid whose father she killed who gets over that really fast. Uh, and then as soon as the legendary Ji-hun comes on the scene, um, she's kind of even further in the background after that. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's really cool that you highlighted this interesting woman from history, but but not that cool because you didn't highlight her that much, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, in the end, it could have been just random Chinese sea pirate as opposed to legendary Chinese sea pirate. You know, the, the I, I mean, I admit I didn't know much about her uh, heading into this. Uh, like, I didn't know much about the Partition of India or Rosa Parks, to be honest. Um, so, like, Doctor Who is, has sort of, Again. you know, fueled my interest in, yes. in wanting to learn about history. Go to your local library or yeah. Wikipedia, I guess, to learn more about history. And then, and then, and then reading about Madame Ching, and like, oh, like, she commanded, like, 40,000 pirates and hundreds of ships, which makes her having zero crew at all even that much of a stark (laughs) contrast. Right, right. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, my my thesis statement for the whole whole episode is, yes, I like this, but more. Um, Mm -hmm. More of Madame Ching and more of uh, the, more of her place in history. Yeah. more of the sea devils, uh, more of the relationship between Yaz and the doctor. Mm-hmm. Just go a little further, put more into those missing 18 minutes, um, you know, more depth to everything. As it is, if it had been part of a, if it had been just one episode of a 10 episode season, fine. Um, but give me give me more time with all of the concepts that you're uh that you're that you're playing with in this one um so that there's more to chew on yeah and again i mean this isn't quite watsonian and doylist but it's a little like right it's the judging the text versus judging the circumstance is what we've been talking about and like i totally understand why this episode is what it is it was written as just another episode it has covid constraints like i get it all and and in other circumstances, in another context, I would probably be a little more accepting of it. But it is hard not to look at this and think, oh, if only you had more ability to shoot with more cast. And if only you had a little more budget. And if only you had time to do another version of this script that was a little bit bigger and a little bit longer and so it would properly feel like a special you know, then you're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean with Sea Devils, which mm-hmm. would be a lot of fun. But instead, it is more like a classic Doctor Who. Like, like this episode is very, I know we haven't gone into a lot of the details here, but it's very plotty. It's very, you got to get the thing and take it yeah. to the thing and go down to the place and then and the, and then leave the TARDIS in the place because we'll need it in that place later and go to another thing and then go to the other place and meet the guy and then get the thing from the guy and give it and then it gets taken so they have to chase the guy and go back to the place and go to the thing. It's all so transactional and it doesn't mean it isn't fun along the way, but like so much of it, I know sometimes people complain about plots, like there's not enough plot, especially in streaming series, right, Stephen? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, this episode is all plot. Like, it's all just moving characters from A to B to C to D to E to F to D. <laughs> like, there's lots of letters. People go to lots of places. 
Um, and you know, that's fine. But I did have that moment where I thought, uh, there's not a lot of room to breathe and I wish that it had more, more time and a little more money to be, uh, just to think bigger because, and unfortunately maybe the truth is they thought bigger and then they were told to think smaller and, and, and pulled all of that out. But it, it, you're left with something that, again, I don't think it was bad. I thought, I thought it was actually fun, but also disappointing in that I know it could have been more. Yeah, I felt like I was watching, you know, my, remember when uh, BBC America years ago would sort of air like the premiere version of, uh, uh, oh, the uh, the finale for Series 5, um, The Big Bang, The Pandorica Opens. The the Pandorica Opens, I think, was originally, what, like 55 minutes or something like that. And they showed it on the premiere, but then every single airing after that, for years, they cut, showed cut the to 42 minutes. For commercials to yeah. 42 minutes. And I feel like I'm watching the 42-minute version of the original Legend of the Sea Devils, mm. and I want to know where those missing 13 minutes were. Because you're right, there somewhere out there, there is the perfect pacing to a show like episode one of Severance, which was a little slow, but uh, sometimes things are just perhaps a little too quick. And I, I like a little breathing room. I think, you know, the parts that I liked about this episode were the Sea Devils, but also the times where we stopped, probably at inopportune moments, because it kind of felt like we should be kind of rushing around here. Something's <laughs> about to blow up. Maybe we shouldn't stop and talk about our feelings, but... You know, we were all sort of waiting for the Yaz and Doctor conversation about the relationship and how that was going. Um, that was good. I kind of wish they were able to build up to it a little more um, and actually have a moment where it, it felt naturally placed in there, whereas opposed to like in the midst no of all time. this action. Plot, 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 plot. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's good enough for Star Trek Discovery, just, you know, the world's about to end, but we have time to stop and talk about our feelings. It's okay. <laughs> Happened a lot. It's yeah. okay. I'll pause the countdown to destruction uh, just for a moment. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to come across as, as condemning it because I'm not, but it's just like, I, I keep coming back to Pirates of the Caribbean with the Sea Devils. And I think like, you know, we could have had like, like there are two pirate ships at one point next to each other. One of them is mm-hmm. floating and glowing and is 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 crewed by the Sea Devils, and the other one is by, crewed by well, I mean it's Madame Ching, legendary pirate queen, and nobody. Um, but but in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, if it's Madame Ching's army and and the Sea Devil ship that flies, and the Doctor is in between them, and they're like they're on the high seas, it's like how fun would that be? And you know, the truth is, like, even, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the, even the Curse of oh, the boy. Black Spot seemed to have more understanding of what's fun about pirate stories than this does. It's really much more just, we got to move on to the next plot point. I don't know. I agree completely. You know, I'm in an un- I'm in an unusual position for me, uh, you know, kind of my brand uh, in Doctor Who podcasting and fandom is just, you know, um, sort of defending the fun and the the, the fun and the frothy, yeah. and um, and where other people say about an episode, it was fine. I hear a, a sort of a snideness in the background. It was fine, but it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was fun. <laughs> it was fine, <laughs> and I'm right there. And I'm right there. Uh, uh, appreciating the fun. Right. And, it, and 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 yeah. and and deciding that it was good enough, but it certainly wasn't great. And this was a time when I wanted it to be great. And the context falls as part of it too, right? Which is we're in this this real lull of Doctor Who, and here's here is an episode, and I think that it it maybe ramps up our expectations a little bit 
more than if we saw one last week. And if you don't like this one, then next week there's another one, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure. And, and I apologize for going meta again, but I'm still a little surprised that the BBC came to the production team and said, we'd like one more. Because lately the BBC has been acting for all the world like they're either tired of Doctor Who or they're resentful that Bad Wolf is coming on and is going to hopefully just kick it into the stratosphere um, in, in a year or so. Uh, but would we have been better off if the if the last Jodie Whittaker hap- episode had been today? I, if I, they'd just gone straight hmm. to the big series-ending story. So I'm still not convinced that it isn't actually a contractual thing that they... They contracted everybody for eight episodes or 10 episodes and gave them a budget for that. And that this is technically when they collapsed Flux, this is part of that. It's essentially another episode that was part of that budget. And so it allowed them to do an extra and and that the the extra episode may truly be the final episode where they were waiting to see, are we coming back? Are we going to just send send this off in some way? And the answer was, here's a budget for a hundredth anniversary of the BBC episode um, that you need to have be your last episode. Go make that in addition to the ones we've already ordered. And and then we're done. Um, and that's the, and I've interpreted it that way for, I think, the same reason that you have, Chip, which is. Um, it would seem strange for them to be like, well, we've wrapped this up. We've made a new deal. <laughs> um, could you get us another 45 minute one for Easter? Cause that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like they wouldn't yeah. do that. I, I got to think that they have actors and production people and stuff under contract for last season and that they had to have a minimum number of things they produced for last season. And that this is kind of part of it. That's that, that's my guess. Anyway, that's my my feeling is that this may have been just sort of contractually necessary to have this episode. That's not a, yeah, I could believe that. Um, I know that they have had to, there was a weird, uh, what was it now? It was series 10 um, where the BBC put on the weekend of the two part finale of that year. There was some BBC concert in Cardiff. It was just a concert, like of of a of orchestra, and Stephen Moffat and Pearl Mackey were there. And the only reason they had that is because they had leftover money in the BBC promotional budget, uh-huh. and they had to spend it to be on the book. So I thought, we'll do a thing. And you're you're right. I think there was probably like they like I remember when they when and it was announced that Doctor Who Flux is going to be a thing. Because remember, this is this is pandemic time when they were announcing like what's going to happen with Doctor Who, um, and they were sort of saying, you know what, the next season is going to be uh, a shortened season. We're going to see maybe we can make six maybe we can make eight like even when they went into it they didn't know how many episodes they were possibly going to make and i think you're right i think they sort of like planned out the budget then plan then sort of rewrote the scripts and sort of focused on flux and okay we got six episodes of that. what do we have left over <laughs> what do we have we you know i think i more. think the i think the angels episode probably came from a, a similar place where totally. it was like it's going to be a standalone episode that one worked well in flux this one they probably couldn't cram in but they liked it enough and needed another episode so they thought let's let's cobble it together and see what we can come up with and put it out in in April when everyone's left the BBC offices and no one's left around to promote it yep. and uh you know so that that and I, that brings me to another point I wanted to hit on with both of you which is I watched this episode more than than flux more than Eve of the Daleks I watched this episode and thought we're watching old doctor who 
in the sense that we're watching a document from an era of Doctor Who that is already over. We just haven't seen the final play. It just felt, it just struck me knowing that it's going to, uh, to Russell T Davis and, and, uh, Julie Gardner and, you know, and bad wolf productions, which is owned by Sony and that they're going to make the show and that they're going to do that starting, uh, you know, next November, they're going to have November of 23. They're going to have the 60th anniversary and that kicks the whole thing off. Um, it, this goes from being kind of part of the, the annual cyclical doctor who kind of thing to being the the not just the end of an era like Waters of Mars and Planet of the Dead felt like they were kind of these weird guy, signposts on the way to the the Stephen Moffat era, but but really like Doctor Who 2005 is already canceled, <laughs> and there are two episodes left, and there's a Doctor Who 2023 that's coming, and the the uh, by different people. And that, like, that, yeah, they're literally just, well, we have this episode, so we should run it. I, I don't know. Did you guys have that same kind of feeling? Because it really started, I wasn't expecting it. And then as I started watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Chris Chibnall era, like, it's already over, but the shouting. And that's weird. Two thoughts. Uh, one, um, I've always been a defender of episodic Doctor Who. Um, I... I thoroughly enjoyed series 11 because it was episodic and it was a throwback to an earlier time. Um, and one of the things that a lot of people are super excited about Star Trek Strange New Worlds is is it is recapturing that episodic nature from um, the uh, classic series and even next gen. You know, there are character arcs or that are being promised uh, there, but um, episodic Doctor Who really does work for me. Um, but episodic so close to the end of a series, um, just doesn't for, in my mind, this is, this is planet of the dead when I wanted the waters of Mars. <laughs> yep. And, um, and yes, there is that on top of that. Yes, there is that meta level of, uh, marking time for, uh, the new boss to come in and, and the one thing in this episode that separates it from earlier episodic stuff that makes it different from the waters of Mars is, I mean, excuse me, uh, makes it different from uh, Planet of the Dead is the character development that's promised and somewhat delivered on for the Doctor and Yaz. Aside from it, it really is disposable. And this is not the time for a disposable, especially when you're expecting something brand new and shiny um, in 2023. Yeah, I, I, I also feel like I, I, I know you were sort of invested in, in the Thasman uh, angle of the Doctor and Yaz getting together, Chip. And, and I feel like, you know what? I think they probably closed the book on that. I think that's done. I think uh, <laughs> we won't see it build anymore in the final episode, and they've sort of had their chat, and uh, they're not going to pursue it, which I, is you know fine. For I them, disagree. I, yeah, oh, I, dis okay. I disagree too. I I oh. feel like I feel like people are being um, people, and again, I, look, look, I'm not a big fan of of shipping in general, but like people are out there, and they they they've decided to address it. Of Yaz having a crush on the Doctor, and I I think that it was in the text of the show all along, uh, and people picked up on it, and I think that's a perfectly valid read. 
I read this episode as being set up, right? I read this as being the doctor saying, I want this to stay as it is forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that what she's basically doing is, is telling Yaz, you know, forget about it. Let's just be friends because, and I don't want to, I, and even the setup of like, well, I don't want to do it because it ends. And her response is everything ends, but you still do it. And she has no answer for that. And and I feel like if they they really wanted to say the doctor is saying, no, 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 I can't do this. She would have said something like, I have tried this before. It it's happened to me too many times. My heart is broken. I can't go through it again. But that's not what she says. And I feel like when she says, I want to be like this forever, can't we just live in the moment? I'm thinking, there's only one episode left, right? Yeah. Like that is part of this. And then it, we'll, we'll get to the next time trailer at the end. But um, the next time trailer ends with the doctor shouting, Yaz, as she's maybe dying or not. And I thought, well, yeah, they're going to, one way or another, I think there's more to be resolved in that storyline. But but I, I did find this dissatisfying. And I just said, why? It's like, I don't think that, I think the doctor has good reasons to say, Yaz, I'm not interested um, I am interested, but I'm not interested. I can't bear it. I don't mm. think her arguments are any good, right? Because they're literally like, because it'll end. It's like, that's what being a you know mortal is. Every Everything ends. That's not a good enough reason. And if that's the best the doctor can do, then I'm sorry. I just, I, like, either she's lying, which I don't think she is, or um, she's just, you know, putting it off until next episode. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. there's plenty of complexity that you can read into um, the into the, how the doctor responds, and you know, and and Yaz continues to push on that. Uh huh. Rightly and, so. And and I and I read into the end of the episode. Um, can we just act like? Uh, can we just live right today? You know, it, it's almost honestly, it's almost word for word from. Uh, what I proposed in um, the last episode of my podcast, uh, mm-hmm. just sort of, it, you know, it's 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 Yas practically saying the line from Rent, you know, no day but today, and you can read into uh, the Doctor's reaction uh, that that she's that she's considering that it's not made as explicit as I would have liked, um, and you can read all kinds of stuff into the reasoning for that. It may be more clear in the writer's heads uh, about what the status of that relationship is right now. My frustration is not that we just have a relationship with a pretty bow tied on it and a grand love story for the ages that is going to be ended in the very next episode that we that we see. It's just that I'm not sure I, I, I wanted the episode to say more than it did you're tired of the subtext is what you're saying chip you'd uh you think we don't have much well, time left Let's... i mean we don't we don't have much time left now yeah. uh there are nuances to all of this that i absolutely do not get as a uh straight male who has been catered to with straight relationships <laughs> on television all over the place so uh i'm i'm just i'm just reading what i got which is I think that there's something there, and for whatever reason, um, because maybe it's because just generally speaking, Chibnall is medium cool about all of the relationships and emotional beats. Um, that you know, he's he's definitely not as comfortable as swinging for the big emotional fences as Russell T. Davis was. Um, it, it, there's only so far that he felt like he was willing to go. Yeah, I I. 
I, I look forward to hearing from um, women, from members of the LGBTQ community about how they feel about this. Because I'm reminded of, you know, the bury your gaze trope, right? Which is something that is maybe if you're a straight man, harder to see. Although I watched Buffy, so it was easy <laughs> for me to see. Um, and you look at representation like this and it's like, it is, I'm interested to what people who are looking for representation in this show have to say about it because it is simultaneously representation and frustration. And I could see people saying, look, I appreciate that they are admitting that this is really a thing going on because that's a big deal. I can also see them saying, no, they're paying lip service to it. And, (laughs) and then nothing happens. Right. And it's like, and it's all just shined on. And we know that next week or not next week, next eternity, when the next episode runs, it's over regardless of what happens. It's over because the, the era is over. And I get that too. So, um, I I'm not invested in this relationship at all. Um, although I think that the text 100% supports it and has for seasons now, I think um, at, at least in the direction of Yaz falling in love with the doctor, totally saw it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense to me. Totally get it. Who wouldn't fall in love with the doctor, honestly. Right. Like, I mean, that's, I, and I think that, that from a meta show point of view, that's one of the challenges is you could have this happen every time. And, and, and as the doctor's line about how it always ends is a very strong meta point that I think is stronger than the, the point in the actual show, right? In the, in the show, the argument, it, it always ends is stupid because everything always ends, but you should live your life outside of the show though, outside of the text of the show, it's, it's true, right? Like there is no happily ever after, and we roll the credits and Doctor Who goes off the air and we just imagine that the, those people are together forever in their fictional world because Doctor Who relentlessly marches on. <laughs> mm, right. So the character can't have a happy ending in the premise of the show, can't have a happy ending. So uh, it's it's a question of like, how do you want to honor the feelings about that relationship in a way that is fair when you also know that after the next episode, those actors are gone and those characters are essentially gone, never to be seen again. Yeah. And you can retroactively just fault the show for not dealing with it earlier. Um, and, you know, Doctor Who is a tough one. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's in some ways it's legacy television, it's family television, it's, uh, it, it's traditionally plot heavy kinds of stuff. Um, relational character arcs were few and far between in the classic series. Um, But that was the thing that was left for Legend of the Sea Devils to do was do character arcs. That was, that was the thing. Uh, We, we got a, we got a romp. um, But if there was anything else for the, for, to move the ball down the field on, that was the thing. Well, and, you could you could see the potential for something that that and you said this earlier, Chip, where they they all take they take a moment in the middle of the plot, or maybe that was Stephen, but it's like they it, it isn't organic. They they literally stop the episode to to address Thasman a little bit, and then they start the episode again. It's like, well, if one of the characters was put under pressure, where they had a situation where like it, th- this was coming up naturally as a part of the story, um, that would have been a whole lot more effective 
and and beautiful than just stopping the story to have a conversation about our feelings and then resume the story, right? That's not very organic. That felt very much like, oh, right, we need to address this. Here it is. Yeah. Now we're done. Putting the doctor and the companion in, in a prison cell has been a you know a big trope of how you get around explaining the plot without having to build too much of a set for it. Well, they were uh, under here, the sea. Under yeah. the sea. <laughs> here, under here, you could sea. do it the exact same thing. You know, they sort of like lead them on a guided tour. Like they say, "Hey, mm-hmm. oh, you, you land crawlers, you're taken prisoner. What? But please come on this guided tour as we explain how <laughs> yes. our ship works." I just feel like that could have been uh, maybe the time when maybe they were locked in a cell or something like that, mm. and they could have had a chat about their feelings. Sure. And stuff instead of having the villain uh, outline them the main plot that met their whole scheme twenty minutes into the episode. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see how it plays out next time. But I, I, I'm with Chip in thinking that I, I think this is set up for something that will be the resolution. But but it may just be that literally the resolution of why the Doctor and Yaz and Dan are going their separate ways because that has to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've got wild theories about things that Chris Chibnall could do with that last last episode. I, I've thought about it's supposedly feature length. Yeah. And I I've thought about the fact that maybe the doctor does die at the end of it. And that and then that's the and then Russell T. Davis has to be like, aha, but how will we get out of that one? And he has an idea. Trust me, uh, but that it, that it would be like that, or or maybe it is, and they live they live happily ever after. Well, what does that mean? And then again, Russell T. Davis will appear in a puff of smoke in November of 2023 and go, "Aha, I have the answer," and that's where he'll go from there. But it's also just as possible that it'll be Dan saying, "Oh, you know, I got a call from my girlfriend back home, so t- drop me off." And that something happens where to that where Yaz is like, I've had enough of this doctor, I'm leaving. And, you know, right, because the truth is they have to do the mechanics of getting everybody off off the show mm-hmm. <laughs> next time. It just has to happen. One way or another, they all have to be sent off the show because they're not gonna be there in November of twenty-three. It's gonna be over. So you know, that has to happen. So this was you know, Chip, you're right. This was the last chance to before everything ends to take a little breath and mm, they took a little breath, but I, I didn't find it particularly satisfying. So I don't know. Um, I mean, in terms of Yaz and the doctor, right? Like, right, right. Sure. But as a, as, as a side point of the rest of the story, a, 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 a pirate yarn. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it, it, it does some of what is needed. Um, you know, Historical characters. It does some of what is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, returning a, a classic villain. It does some of what is needed. Um, it, you know, people. Uh, I, Ad- I liked it. Adequate, liked it. <laughs> says Chip <laughs> Sutter. <laughs> Adequate, says Chip Sutter. Yeah. Uh, and then three and then stars out that, of five. Yeah. <laughs> and then that trailer. Uh, okay, before we go to the trailer, because because I do want to talk about the trailer, I know that people are sensitive about that sometimes, and they want to do the full media blackout. Any okay. any other things? I really like that the Keystone suddenly comes into being. I mean, it made me laugh because it's like, wait a second. And then I thought, oh, okay, this is why the kid and the dad and the dad's protecting. It's not just the sea devil. It's going to be a thing, and that's what it was. I did like though that it's basically an infinity stone. They they like a gem with inter- <laughs> infinite powers yeah. over time, space, teleportation. I'm like, oh, maybe it's the whole infinity gauntlet. That's Maybe this thing. <laughs> why do the why do the sea devils need anything else if they have a magic orange stone? I don't. They say it's sea devil technology. I'm like, oh, really? 
Yeah. They have the ultimate power stone as what? their technology. Why, why have you been, you've just been searching for this the whole time? I mean, it, it does seem to be a very easy fix, the, the old MacGuffin there. Yeah. Yeah, but mm. I, but I did it did it did make me chuckle. I thought that was uh, I thought that was funny, and that was a uh, a little um, added part of the plot mechanics that that you know I I thought was I thought was fun. Um, I like the reference to River Song, uh, where the doctor says I was a different man back then because that was just funny. Uh, I liked uh-huh. it. I liked that bit. Any other things like from the episode that you want to call out that that uh, you that you liked or didn't like? Hmm. Mm. Well acted, I thought across the board. Yeah. Um, um. I I would say I don't know if I agree about the and, and I think it's a direction thing. But when Madame Ching first appears, she's super over the top. She's a bit, yeah. And then later, she's more like a, what a person would be. And I, I couldn't decide whether the show was like, well, when we first meet her, she should be a larger than life mythological figure, and then later we'll learn about her, and she'll become more, um, more understandable as a human being and like i get that or i get that but at the same time when she first appears i'm like oh boy get a load of this because it was it was a lot it was like literally um over the top pirate act- acting at that point and i thought it was maybe a little too far but um yeah Pre- pre-credit scenes uh madam ching was way different than uh, you know i said stop <laughs> before i kill you yeah and I was right like, and like all of a sudden she's she's considerably mellowed by the time uh the doctor shows up on on the scene she's yeah. in teaser mode mm-hmm. yes it's very important yeah. you got to get that drama in there when you can yeah um i'm not entirely sure why uh the doctor and yaz and dan are in regional costume uh, when they've never done that for anything else before, I'd say it's high time. I, I liked it too because they're yeah. like, "Oh, let's let's do pirates. This will be fun." Like, mm. like we dress up when it's fun to dress up. I don't know. I think yes, I do think it's also silly when they don't do it right. Where it's like, "Yeah, we're just gonna wear our normal outfits that we wear all the time and literally never change into yeah. anything else." It it kind of bugged me when they did that in uh, in series eleven. You know, when they went to nineteen fifties and they were just wearing their clothes, and they went to the partition of India, they're just wearing their normal <laughs> clothes, and it's like, maybe you know, if you're gonna do classic historical type stories, you know, back in the Doctor Who days, they would always like, "Hey, here we are, we're in we're in China in Marco Polo times. Let's let's dress like they are here, and let's dress like they are in the Crusades and then the Romans and everything." They, you know, they 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 melded themselves into the actual scenery and stuff, and and it also gives you know a nice visual break for the costume budget mm-hmm. too, which I kind of like, and I really like Jody's uh, Jody's coat that she had on and Yaz's outfit too. So yeah. I I think it was high time to for them to do that. Um, my I the part of the plot I I talked about how the plot goes from point A to point B. There is one moment where it jumps to point Z and then back, which I thought I, I like good use of a time machine. Yes. Without it being a story about time travel, like how Stephen Moffat always liked it, which is, well, wait a second. If we go to the ship when it wrecked, we can find out where the shipwreck is. And so they go back to 1533 and and see the shipwreck and realize, wait, there's a sea devil. And there's also uh, there's there there are people on that ship briefly and then they all jump off. Um, but and then they're like, oh, well, now we know. And I thought that is what you do with a time machine, right? Like, we'll, we'll just go back and see where it is. I thought that was good. I mean, it's a little point, but it's like, well, that's logic of telling a story when one of the characters has a time machine. It's like, how do you solve a mystery? Go back to when it happened and see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was supposed to be an archaeologist. Yeah. He laughs at archaeologists. Uh, that's what, uh, <laughs> as he famously said once. 
Why did Dan decide to swim to the ship and help the guy out? Um, Stephen, the, is there a the term for the? It. <laughs> I was going to say, is there a term in Doctor Who for when they split the party? Like, because it's necessary. You just you split the party in Doctor Who. You can't have one plot. You have to have two plot threads in order yeah. to tell the story faster. And so you separate somebody from the Doctor or or both companions from the Doctor. I, I just, when it happened, I was like, okay, I mean, it's Doctor Who. I guess he does need to go off with someone else. Cause, and, and, they, and they hung a lantern on it, right? Because it's like cut to the Doctor and Yaz and the TARDIS. And she's like, I told him not to wander off. Yeah. It's like, Which okay. was nice. But I there's no like reason that. for it, Chip. It doesn't make any sense that he would no. just swim out to a pirate ship in the ocean with some kid he met. <laughs> I just met you. Sure, we'll go eventually. My, my friends are right over dad. there, but li- I won't tell them. I'm just going to go swim to the pirate Wait, ship. Wait, you didn't say there was go- you were going to kill her. I mean, yeah. uh, they never talked out their plan at all before he dove into the water yeah. with a person he just met to go again. Again, things dead. had to happen for the for for the sake of the for the sake of the plot. Yeah, getting yeah. getting people there. All right, um, let's talk about the next time trailer because it had things in it that I uh, I had not had spoiled for me, Nor and me. did and did not expect. I knew that uh, Kate Stewart was coming back. So we got that. Right. I did not know that Ace and Tegan were coming back. That's the big one from the that 1980s. Was, that was the yeah. thing that broke the internet. Um, yeah. m- more people were responding to that trailer than to the episode itself. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Ashad is back, who was great in uh, Series 12, the sort of the half-human, half-Cyberman uh, uh, main villain who was... Just very quickly zapped into oblivion by the master in the in the last episode of that series, and I think, oh, that was a rather cool and quick way to dispense with one of the more interesting cyber villains. Well, uh-huh. he's back, so that's pretty cool. He's back, and to nobody's surprise, the master himself is back. A very clean shaven well, uh, Sasha Dewan at in one part. At one point, very... that's that's what I found fascinating is that early on we see him and he's super clean shaven and trim. He's like, oh yes, doctor, but this is, and then at the end, and then he's, he's got, Alan Moore. He's got long hair and a beard, yeah. and he's like, doctor, and we're like, whoa, what happens to the master in this episode? I suspect there are reasons, but um, yeah, that was that was nice to see as well. There's some Daleks because. You know, they're going to be there. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, and I don't think it really gives away anything other than it's like, this is the day that you the, you cease to exist or you end your existence or whatever that the master says. And then, and we also get to see Tegan and Ace with like big, uh, big comic books, guns, firing <laughs> them guns. off. Yep. That's, that's, that's going, that's hilarious. Um, so it's going to be a finale with Daleks and Cybermen and the Master, um, and <laughs> two callback con- companions. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Vendor's coming back. Oh, Vendor! Uh, Sorry, yep, I forgot to mention Vendor. Yep. yep, some people. He's in there. Some people would rather rather we all did. I liked um, I liked yeah. Vendor. Vendor yeah, was too. fine. Yep, and yeah, and here. the orange spacesuit makes its return. It as does. Well. Yes. Yeah. So, Just does proof, po- proof positive that the, that Doctor Who has a budget and has a storage <laughs> closet. Yeah, they have, they have budget, a budget for for prop storage. They do. Yeah, they do. That's Dan wearing the orange suit, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's got to uh, go. Uh, I don't know. Go don't go know. out into space in order to get home or something. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? 
the excitement for these uh, for for uh, Sophie Aldred and Janet Fielding coming back though um uh, it is wonderful saw a tweet from Janet Fielding saying that uh Chibnall and Russell T Davis had both assured her that the uh, that that social media was going to explode and she didn't believe it and she got to the point where she could ha- had to stop replying to people mm. um um i'm 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 really happy to see that um i'm I, there are uh actors from old doctor who that i could see um that i could see coming back i've always in the back of my head thought that fraser hines would be a natural for a return or something like that Hadn't really thought about Sophie Aldred and Janet Fielding, and I'm excited for it. When we think about anniversaries, too, it's almost like, well, we have to have multiple doctors and stuff. We sort of forget, like, what if you just brought multiple companions back? That's, mm-hmm. I think that's even more interesting because you, you see, you know, they aren't trying to be the same people who they were when they were initially on the show. Uh, we are seeing Ace and Tegan 30 or 40 years after they have left the doctor. And so what has happened to their lives since yeah. they left? Uh, and so I'm, I, apparently they're adept at firing uh, laser rifles. That's one thing they're, they're good at doing. Um, so obviously, Ace was Ace was already adept at that though. Yeah. Ace is already adept. I mean, I've seen Tegan shoot an Earth uh, a Cyberman at point blank blank in Earthshock. So obviously she had some some training that we sure. didn't know about that working for British Airways or Qantas or wherever she was. But uh, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see where it, uh, what, what's happened to these these two beloved characters. Well, I think Ace being back on one level, uh, these are these are my TED talks that I'm not doing. Um, right. One of them is she's the companion who never left. <laughs> right, because we never had that that, that farewell scene. Because the show ended. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm very interested. And I always thought Ace was fun. Ace was probably my favorite thing about the Sylvester McCoy era. I thought she was fun. And so to see her come back and and find out where, you know, what Ace has done. And then, like, the, the same is true with Tegan. I enjoyed Sarah Jane, obviously, in School Reunion. And then we got to see her more times. I even enjoyed, was it uh, Joe Grant in... Yeah, Katie Manning in, in, uh, in Sarah, the Sarah Jane, Jane Adventures. Adventures, right? Where it's just a little bit of like, the doctor makes imprint on people's lives. So that's that's one TED Talk. Uh, I got to expand it a little bit, but like, okay, that's first bullet point. Second bullet point is we're about to lose a couple of companions, including Yaz, who I'll point out again, because this is one of my favorite bits of trivia, will, will be the only companion ever whose tenure is exactly the same length as the doctors. They started together, they end together. Yep. And so having a couple, just as Rose had her conversations with Sarah Jane, having a couple classic companions who travel with the doctor and then left, um, be there. I don't know if this will happen or not, but like having them be around when Yaz has to leave the doctor I, I like that, even if it's just sort of to remind the audience that this is what happens and time moves on. I like that because that's going to happen. And so I like to see that. And then my third thought is, if this is the la- the last episode of this era of Doctor Who, like for real, like maybe even you consider 2005 to 2022 an era, um, put Sophie, Sophie Aldred in the last episode, right? You gotta. Yeah. <laughs> she saw off the last show so why not see off this one too <laughs> that is a show fascinating killer. way to think about sophie, it. sophie show killer yeah. we need you we need a viking <laughs> funeral here come on back we're gonna have you the last scene is gonna be i don't know why, how it works this way but it's gonna be it's gonna be tegan and ace walking off into the distance while their overdubbed dialogue talks about 
I don't somewhere know. There, somewhere out there, the tea's getting cold. Come yes. on, Tegan. We've got work to do. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. It's good to see them. Um, and I, I, I do. I mean, I, I'm not joking when I say one of my favorite things about classic about modern Doctor Who is what they did with Sarah Jane, where they they had to, they had to address the fact that these companions get left behind. Yeah. And so we're about to leave companions behind again to have two of them come back. Um, in that same episode, I love it. I love it because that's, that's, they're our proxy and they're our proxy when the eras move along too. So to, to open that door again and get a little peek at Tegan and Ace, I love it. It's a great idea. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that in six months time. <laughs> a long ish autumn, <gasps> autumn, 2022. We didn't even get it. We didn't even a month we got it. We got a three month window when this episode will air. And that's, that's about it. But it seems to be October. I think October twenty second is the official BBC centenary. So sometime around there, uh, find a bank holiday that's probably happening around that time. And that's probably going to be your your broadcast date. But which will put or, it almost or, exactly a year after Flux premiered, right? Because that was on Halloween. True. Yep. Could be there around there. Yep. Or on on a Sunday, buried after Country File. <laughs> For possibly for the last time, as you were alluding to, Jason, for the last time on BBC One, Sophie yeah. Aldred comes off to kill Doctor Who on broadcast television, and it returns in 2023 on HBO Max or something like that. Uh, Who knows? I, I like Chip saying "buried after Country File." I'm imagining Country <laughs> File with its out in the on the country visiting with various bakers and farmers, and on Easter Sunday of all days, I'm just imagining Doctor Who emerging from its. <laughs> It's to it's country file tomb, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it it. I had that moment today where I was thinking about BBC America and mm-hmm. um, waiting for it to air, and are they going to air it simultaneously? Except getting increasingly behind as they show ads, or are they going to wait until prime time and all of that? And I thought, I wonder. One of the many things I wonder about 2023 is I wonder if outside of outside of the UK, if that will be the last time that Doctor Who premieres on a traditional linear network. I don't know what the contracts are, but like it would sure make sense. And I think maybe even feel right if come November of 23, they just said, look, Doctor Who's on HBO Max. Yeah. Just, just no. It's not on cable, uh, and you don't have to wait a day if you're buying it on iTunes. You just subscribe. You to don't HBO have to Max. Ha- you don't have to deal with commercial breaks. And the no. moment that it is off the air in the UK, it just goes live on HBO Max, and everybody else can watch it. And I know HBO Max isn't a worldwide streaming service, so they would have some issues there. But wh- whatever streaming service it is, I'm just using that as an example: Prime Video, or Netflix, or Peacock, or wh- whatever. Yeah. But something there's already there's already a relationship with HBO Max. That's, right. That's you know they're that's already there. The streaming yeah. home of modern Doctor Who. So mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I mean, Stephen, I know you and I have talked about this before, but it's like, what is the what is the future of Doctor Who? That's a whole other. We did a whole incom- incomparable episode about it. And, we did. You know, all of us. Um, but I do have that moment again in the feeling the, of an era passing of like, as an American fan having the well, then it'll be on later maybe cut for time with ads jammed into it. Yeah. After hours after it airs in the UK 
And if we are getting, you know, which which is way more advanced than when it started and it was months or weeks behind and certainly better than when it was in the classic era where it was very much keep circulating the tapes kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. But but this era also now feels outmoded. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm genuinely more curious about how it's going to go in the UK than over here, because ultimately, um, American and Canadian viewers are an afterthought in the whole uh, Doctor Who machine. Uh, the fans will find it wherever they find it, and streaming seems to be a much more sensible home right now. Uh, but, you know, the BBC and public service broadcasting appear to be just imploding in the UK, mm-hmm. and it feels like Doctor Who may be getting on the lifeboat before the Titanic goes down. And that actually makes me feel really sad because I believe in the BBC and the, and the ideals of public service broadcasting. And I hate to see Doctor Who no longer be a part of it, but it's not exactly been taken care of Doctor Who. I'm not sure I entirely agree. I think you're right, Chip, that the rest of the world has been an afterthought up to now. I don't know, going forward, I kind of wonder if this whole new regime that they're going to have starting next year, if the idea is there's an agreed upon thing that'll be delivered to the BBC and that's locked down and then their job is the rest of the world and to produce the show. And I do wonder sometimes if that's what it's going to be is, okay, we got our streaming deals, we got all of that, we got our budgets, we know what we're doing. And then of course, yes, of course the episode will also be handed to the BBC to run on BBC One or wherever. I assume on BBC One, as long as it still exists. Mm-hmm. But it may be as simple as that, where like everything else they conceptualize is for a global audience, and they know that as a part of their licensing agreement with the BBC, the BBC gets to promote it in the UK and run it in the UK, but that everything else they're thinking about as Bad Wolf is about the rest of the world. I wonder if maybe that's the... How do we get, how do we think about both of these things? And that it goes from being one is subservient to the other to like one is the primary and the other is just sort of the afterthought or the, of, of course, I don't know. Yeah. Cause right now it's, it's like, it's a show that wants to be a family show, but also wants to, you know, build on its history. It's a show that sort of wants to be standalone adventures, but also maybe, you know, how you hook people. If you, if you know that uh, you don't have to watch anything before this and you don't have to watch anything after that, just show up here. You know, it's, it's a show that is the only show of its kind that has to deal with overnight ratings and the kicking in the press (laughs) that it gets because no one watches TV like they did back in 2005. And therefore they see declining numbers in doctor who as being a failure of the show, as opposed to the television industry changing in general right now, it just seems to be in between worlds it, and, and ever since ever since series 12 it has been a show built on nothing but compromise and next year is the year when possibly those compromises fall away so this is my mm-hmm. question for you both which is do you think russell t davis maybe he'll come out and say it at some point or maybe he'll just have to think it or it'll be you know in a meeting internally with the production staff as they're putting that staff together now, presumably, and he's writing scripts and they're making decisions all behind the scenes. Is there North Star for making Doctor Who? Everybody remember that this is going to be on at 6 p.m. on a Saturday night on BBC One. Or is there North Star 
everybody remember this is going to drop on HBO Max. <laughs> right? Because what whatever the details are because I I honestly wonder I honestly wonder cuz I have a hard time imagining that in in 2022 going into 2023 I I have a hard time imagining that everybody who's working on Doctor Who for the future is obs- it, like cuz if you think back to 2005 Russell T Davis was very much like what's our time slot who are we up against and all of that and like mm-hmm. I I can't imagine thinking that now I can't imagine. I think he's got bigger fish to fry. I, I I think the reason Russell D. Davis came back and Bad Wolf took this on is because they see the potential. I know he's been quoted previously before taking the job as saying this should be like Marvel. This should be like Star Wars. We should right. be able to make TV shows like that. And I mean, there's that may not be true financially, but I mean, looking at the budgets of, for Star Trek, like that should be doable, right? They they should be able to do something like that. Um, but what is that? What is that mindset? Are they going to have the mindset of we can't think about this as a broadcast TV show on one channel in one country? We have to think about this as an international phenomenon that's using the power of streaming to reach everybody in the world simultaneously. I hope it's the latter. I hope that they are thinking bigger, you know. If 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 he's coming back to think, let's that's it. We're gonna let's take think back. Small. We're gonna take back Saturday night. Take that again. and deck. We got you. We're coming for yeah, you. Yeah, we're coming for you again. Yeah. We're gonna get those precious. No, I I hope that he is not doing that. I you know because the, the Mandalorian and the Marvel shows and Star Trek and the other shows that are that are basically as competitors now. You know they're not waiting to be shown on BBC One. They're coming in with their own streaming services into the UK and people can watch them whatever they want for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Uh, and if you're going to compete with that, which is kind of what you are doing right now, uh, I think you have to be sort of be on the same playing field as them internationally. I agree. I just hope that in the in the course of going there, I hope they don't lose Doctor Who's. You know, you can do you, you can torch wood or whatever with the expanded universe, but I hope that Doctor Who's roots as family sci-fi don't get lost along the way. Um, that now we're now that we're on HBO Max, let's go for the TV thirteen rating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Doctor Who to remain a little goofy, mm-hmm. a little child, a, a little child and parent friendly. I don't want Doctor Who to continually go after me as a target audience, and that's my one fear about moving to streaming sure. is that if they if they lose sight of the fact that it is broadly populist entertainment, I'm gonna make a. Uh, a simile here that um, people are not going to like. Some people are not going to like, but I, I I would say one of the differences between how here it goes, DC has approached its entertainment, Marvel has approached its entertainment, and I know that I'm making there are lots of caveats to this, but one of the reasons I think Marvel has been successful is that they have with their films is that they have not just um, approached the aging fanboys of comic books. They are making an entertainment for the masses, including people like my son, you know, who was born in 2004, right? And has not read most of the comics. And that's a Marvel movie generation, right? Whereas I feel like a lot of the missteps that DC made, especially early on, were in kind of leaning into the, we have a built-in audience for this. Everybody who likes dark and gritty Batman comics is going to love this movie. And losing the plot a little bit in terms of, new ge- new generations of audience and and i so in that i agree with you chip i think i think it's a mo- catastrophic mistake for any of these franchises to take 
like even Star Trek, they're making shows for the fans, uh, obviously, but they're also like with something like Prodigy, which they made with Nickelodeon. They're they're also trying to reach young audiences with their franchise, which is like, yeah, yeah, because you, otherwise your franchise will die. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't do it. And so I can't imagine Russell D. Davis and Julie Gardner and any of those people looking at the main Doctor Who property and thinking of anything other than sort of like what in their hearts they know is Doctor Who. And if I can put on my downstream hat here for a second. Here we are. Uh, I mean, honestly, Program for Families is is very valuable in a streaming universe, right? Like there's a reason that every streaming service has, and, and people who don't have young kids may especially not know it, like every streaming service has been very aggressive in getting content for families and for kids because um, that's how kids watch TV and that's how parents park their kids in front of the TV sometimes <laughs> is yep. using streaming services. And so Doctor Who as a family show that's got kind of, uh, sci-fi quadrant appeal has family appeal. Like, I think that actually has fundamental value for whoever is going to to do this. So I don't, I, I I agree. I have a little trepidation, like you do, Chip, about like what does the expanded universe look like and all that. But I don't know. I have a hard time believing that that um, at the core of it, the people who are in charge of making this new version of the show aren't going to um, like they know exactly what Doctor Who is, and I I think. I, I trust them in that, but you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it says a lot of perhaps about the episode that we watched today that we're we're still yep. the most fascinating thing is where it's going what, after what happens. This. Yeah, it's <laughs> yep. true. Now on. Yep. It's true. Well, you know, I, I'll circle back to my original thesis here, which is this is a Easter special, but in reality, and and in some ways this can be refreshing. In reality, this is an episode of Doctor Who that would pr- most appropriately be nestled between other episodes of Doctor Who in a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it got lost. It's like a rogue planet or something, right? Like it's off on its own. It's like you shouldn't be out there on your own. You should be part of a group. Um, and it's not. So it is, you know, and, and that's what I think is weird about it. But I think it's also, I don't want to be too harsh on it because it was it was fun. There's sea devils and pirates and stuff. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, it could have been more. And I wish it was, but it wasn't. But it was, you know, it was an episode, but most notably about it is it was our one episode between the uh, New Year's special and the last episode of the era. So we're right on the door and there was no, he will knock four times going on <laughs> and there were no Ood Sigmas <laughs> floating around. Yep. But the doctor does literally say, I wish this could go on forever, hmm. Hmm. but it won't because the next episode is the last one. Uh, yep. It's right there. Yeah, no prophecies. I was glad for that. No yeah. prophecies. Well, except at the end of Flux, right? Doesn't the time? Doesn't yep. time say? Yeah, that's true. Ooh, yeah, is yep. your time is running out. Yeah, I will knock an unknown number of times. <laughs> of me's, thir- of me's, because I am times. time. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but anyway, yeah, it, it is. Well, I I appreciate talking this stuff through with you guys because yeah, we're yeah. just in a weird. It's just weird. It's just a weird it's time. Weird. We got a, a random free floating episode. Yep. The final episode of an era is coming in the fall, in autumn. And then there's a year break. And then who knows what? Like, I don't know. It's a weird time to be a Doctor Who fan, isn't it? It's the antithesis of what you're going through as a Star Trek fan, Jason. Yes, where you're having to podcast every much. single week for eight months in a row. Vulcan, hello, everybody, two, here on the Incomparable so, Network. Sometimes two episodes on the same day. Do you have to flip a coin as to which one you're going to watch there's, first? Uh, what if yeah, they dropped we... 33 episodes of Star Trek in 28 weeks? Well, 
listen to the Vulcan hell, I would find out. But you're right. Compare that to Doctor Who, and it's like, dang, like, yeah, like, yeah, literally, hour, you know, hour long in quotation marks, but hour long live action episodes of Star Trek, they they dropped. Um, it's not quite that because they did a little mid season break, but they they literally they dropped like essentially like thirty episodes in thirty weeks. Yeah, and the only Imagine. reason they took that mid season break is because they had to catch up on making them on the so. on their special effects. It looks yeah. like yeah. So I would love. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if first off, wouldn't it be nice if Doctor Who could reliably put out say ten, twelve, thirteen episodes every single year, and then maybe we could talk about also doing other things related to Doctor Who mm-hmm. on top of that every single year. Wouldn't that be something? It would be neat. Understand <laughs> that you're you're just inviting more flashcast material. Oh no. Jason. Oh no. I take it all back. Um, this is not the Torchwood. I I mean I, I no, was going to say I hear the Torchwood theme in the distance. Yeah. I make no Vulcan Hello we sell as being like about new televised live action Star Trek essentially. Um Doctor Who flashcast about Doctor Who. If they make spin-offs, I make I am under no <laughs> contract to cover them. You you can always hire that out. If, there, if there's if there's not the Doctor on those spin-offs, then there's not you on those reviewing those spin-offs. You can say that right now. That said, for now, for the next what eighteen or nineteen months, there will be mm-hmm. one episode of the Doctor Who yep. flashcast. Yep. Ouch. Enjoy the break, though. Enjoy the yes. break. Look, I look forward to all of your podcast players to indicate that the show is inactive. Because <laughs> yeah. it will be. Uh-huh. Just like Doctor Who. Yep. All right. Chip Sutter, thank you for joining me. Um, I hope we're all here and, and doing okay when the next episode airs. I will wait by the phone for several months. <laughs> for several months. And Stephen Shapansky, thank you for being here. I know you're just going to go off and talk about this even more on Radio Free Scaro as and I'll live stream it and like make make hay with this one cuz then you got to go back in your uh, cave for for another hibernation. And, and do a podcast every single week regardless if there's new episodes yeah, that, on air mm, or not. See, that was your that was your tactical problem that was that was a mistake yeah some 15 and a half years ago yeah but we'll continue to do that well no i mean at this point it's a sunk cost you might as well just keep that's how that's how sunk costs work right you just keep on paying into them yep that's what i do with the incomparable yeah just Uh keep doing it sometimes it's more fun to talk about shows that aren't on the air than uh, when they are on the air because at least you could talk you could speculate more and wonder what's going to be like the last half of this podcast episode (laughs) right exactly yes stay tuned for more of this for the next six months on Radio Free Scar yeah all right, and thank you again to everybody out there who still listens and remembered that this podcast existed and found this episode. I, I guess we'll see you in October for the last episode of the Chris Chibnall and Jody Whitaker era. And um, until then, goodbye. Doctor Who Flashcast on the internet.